Welcome, everybody, to the first ever episode of The Sheriff. Guys, I am so excited to be starting this show, and I'm even more excited to be having an incredible co-host, Kyle Warner. Kyle, say hello, buddy. What's up, everybody? We're so happy you guys can join us for the first ever episode of The Sheriff. We got a ton of stuff we're going to try to pack into the show for you guys. Sean, how you feeling, man? I'm feeling great, man. Like I've been actually trying to start this show with you for a little while now, man. So I'm just I'm just stoked that we're actually able to get it going. Um, it being episode one, I'm a little bit extra excited, so I've got to try to contain myself a little bit. That's perfect. I mean, you guys are are you over uh, Canada using losing in the World Juniors, or uh, are you still a little buttered <laughs> over Team USA getting the gold there? You know what, I, I did kind of want to get right into that because I feel that, you know, in the last little bit that that's the biggest sports story here is the U.S. junior team winning a gold medal over my Canadian boys. So now you <laughs> being an American kid and me being a Canadian kid, I mean, I guess we got a little bit of bias um, in this. But um, you know what, I I did watch the game. Um, I I thought that the, the U.S. had a perfect game, that they dominated the game. And that they, it was well deserved. Um, I was very, very disappointed that, that my team didn't win. Um, you know, we take it very, very seriously up here. And, um, but yeah, hats off to Team USA. What about you, my friend? I mean, the big difference other than USA's goaltending, um, was their forecheck. I mean, they dominated the first two periods of that hockey game just with an obnoxiously aggressive Four check and the Canadians just didn't know what to do with the speed that the USA was coming at them with. And it's just kind of how the game went along from there. Yeah. yeah, And I, and I totally agree. Like, but like the one thing that, that I found interesting was the lead up to the gold medal game. I mean, team USA, obviously they finished first in the, in the group B, um, you know, they, in the preliminary round, they defeated Slovakia in the quarterfinals, Finland in the semifinals, and they looked pretty good. But my team, Canada, in my opinion, they were the best team in the tournament, right? If you're going off of first-round draft picks, absolutely. <laughs> and exactly, exactly. Not only on paper were we strong, but we, we really dominated throughout the tournament. And, and the thing is, is that because we had such a good tournament, that's why in that gold medal game, when Team USA just turned the tables on us, man, like they, they pretty much gave us a taste of our own medicine. Um, they pretty much shut, shut us down with, with the defense of, of Cam York. And, you know, uh, Trevor Zegris, you know, obviously he got the MVP of the tournament. Um, he was the best player in that game. Okay. And then, of course, uh, of course, with the third shutout, um, you know, of the Team USA goalie, um, he dominated uh, in the net. So, like I said, Team USA was the better team. You guys definitely deserve that gold medal. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a hard fall, juniors, and to see USA come out and play their game in the gold medal game. Because how many times have you seen teams play their game the entire tournament and then get to the gold medal game and the pressure is just too much, or they just don't? They seem like they're in their own heads a bit. Yeah, USA like I didn't do that at all. No, they did. And they played they they were consistent. They were consistent throughout it. They played a safe game. Um obviously their defense was perfect, you know, shutting out the Canadians. And yeah, I mean they handled themselves like champs and they deserved that gold medal. 
So out of all of the players in the tournament, who do you say impressed you the most? I mean, I I honestly thought that Trevor Zegris was the MVP of the tournament. Um, to me, he kind of put the icing on the on the cap when he when he had the the two points in the gold medal game. Um, you know, so th- in my opinion, Trevor was he, he was he was the leading candidate in my mind. Yeah, I really uh, who's that? Stutzel was good for Germany, right? I believe he plays for yeah. Germany. Yep, and Germany correct. had had a bad string of luck, man. They were missing pretty much their entire team, and they impressed me a lot because they didn't play bad hockey at all. Even missing, I think they were at one point in the tournament, they were missing six of their their top starting forwards. Jesus, yeah. like why even like why would you even show up at that point? But nope, they showed up and they hung in and they they did their best. So hats off for Germany for at least putting in as much effort as they can, which is good to see when you're, especially when you're watching these kids, like, cause that's gotta be disheartening when you are in juniors and you know, all your best players are out, but you still show up and play your heart out. I mean, that was good to see. It, it was like a big step forward for German hockey. I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, to have that many players out, um, it, it just goes to the character of the team. And, and like you said, hat, hats off to them. And it looks like, it looks like there's a strong worldwide competition now, especially at the world junior age level where there's a lot of competitive teams where it's not just, you know, three, four teams lumped at the top. Um, it looks like worldwide, everybody's got a competitive shot these days. I do love watching hockey grow everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a big thing. And speaking, speaking of hockey in general, you know, we did have our National Hockey League start up, uh, very recently. And I wanted to get into this division, these, these new divisions that the NHL have. I find it extremely interesting. I love it. I love every second of it. I think that they should adopt this for 82 games because it would make for some of the best hockey you're ever going to watch. Like I, I've been telling everybody that, uh, I work with all my friends that are on the fence about being hockey fans. You know, like, you know, we like the sport, but we can't sit down and watch it. I'm like, if you're ever going to sit down and watch hockey for the year, this is the year to watch because you got to play division teams eight times. Eight times. I mean, there's going to be some bad blood rising up and anytime you play I mean just look at the playoffs you got to play seven seven games potentially against another team you're playing another team eight times and most of these are back-to-backs if not all of them and it's going to be for some exciting hockey Kyle I'm so glad that you brought this point up because as a hockey fan myself not only am I a player but I'm a huge huge fan and the thing is, though, is as you mentioned, this is the year that is probably going to gain interest in a lot of people's minds for hockey in general, both in Canada and the USA. I think this year is going to grow the game. As you pointed out, the fact that these teams in the divisions are playing each other over and over again, that's how rivalries are created. That's how guys start hating each other. That's when really the rough stuff could the come emotions. out. Yeah, yes. emotion. Like that's that was my biggest knock on hockey in the last I'd say eight years, roughly. Is 
it seems that everybody out there, they're friends with each other. Everybody goes to dinner when they come to cities, and everybody's cool with everybody, and everybody's friends. Well, you know, that's cool and all, and I'm I'm happy that they're friends, but, like, as a fan of the sport, I want to see emotions. And if you're friends with the guys you're playing with, the emotions aren't going to be nearly as high. That's just a fact. You're just not going to be as emotionally vested in every game as if you're playing somebody you dislike. You're going to play a little harder when you're playing somebody you dislike. That's just human nature. That's that's the eye of the competitor. If you dislike the guy, you're going to go that much harder. That is definitely right. Now, now in these divisions now, now okay, so we have we have the north, we have the east, we have the central, we have the west. Now, Kyle, I want I want some predictions here for each division. Um, I want to, I'm going to give my predictions for who I think are going to be the top four in each division. What division would you like to start with, my friend? Let's, we'll, we'll save your, your division because I know you got some opinions on that, uh, that North division. So we'll save that for last. Let's start with the West. Okay. Juicy, juicy stuff. Okay. So, okay. So now the West division. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you my picks for the top four that are going to be making the playoffs. So I got the, I got the Golden Knights. I got the Sharks. I got, I got the Avalanche and I got the Blues, my friend. You got the Sharks in there. I have the Sharks. Ooh, that's a, that is a spicy pick because they have no goaltending whatsoever. (laughs) In what order though? In that order? Okay. So. The order that I have is I got Golden Knights winning the division. I got Colorado in a close second, and then I got St. Louis, then San Jose. Then San Jose. Ah, that that is. I would if I were you, I would get on your nearest sports betting app and put ten bucks on that. Because <laughs> if it happens, you are definitely an underdog in in viewing San Jose as a playoff team. I think San Jose misses by a long shot. Their goaltending situation over there is terrible. And their defense, while the likes of Brent Burns and uh, Carlson, they're they're terrible. Their defense is horrible. I'm sorry. Brent Burns is not a good defenseman in my eyes, and neither is Carlson. The reason they're so held upon is they put up points. But that's great that's and right. all. But if you, if you can't do your job, which is defense – you better be putting up twice as many points as you're allowing. And if last year was any indication, that ain't going to be the case again this year. Because I believe both of them were minus what? 15 plus? <laughs> minus a lot, yeah. Probably probably close to it. So. All right. My, my division picks for the West are number one, Colorado. Number two, Las Vegas. Again, I do think that is going to be contested along the top okay. of that division. Those, those teams are dynamic, to say the least. They are by far the most dynamic teams in that division. Uh, number three, I got St. Louis. And number four, I got Minnesota. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting, Fix. Okay. So now, now, now with the West Division – um, do you feel, do you feel that the West is one of the stronger divisions or are you going to think that they're not going to be getting as much as the attention? No, I think they're top heavy. I think between Colorado, Las Vegas and St. Louis, 
they're going to be one, two, three, no matter what. They're, they're so top heavy. Um, you got a rebuilding LA. LA is not going to do anything. Yeah. You got Jonathan Quick. Yeah. You got Dowdy. Yeah. You got Kopitar, but you're just, you're, you're in the middle of a rebuild and it's just, it's not going to work. You know, and then you got Anaheim, right? Anaheim's another one. That's just in uh, the midst of a rebuild. They're just bottom feeders. They're going to be bottom feeders this year. You got Arizona in this weird position where they they have a chance at, like, putting almost catching lightning in a bottle and and having a a good season and and sneaking into the playoffs. But if I were to take in eight games Arizona versus Vegas or Arizona versus Colorado, I'm going to say Colorado and Vegas are going to win six out of eight. And that that doesn't boast well for Arizona. Oh, it doesn't. Now, 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 notably, notably, um, the West Division has a has a sponsor, the Honda. Yeah, the, the the Honda Division. Actually, every division now has a sponsor. And at first, I was like, "Oh my god, if they're going to call these divisions by the sponsorship, I'm 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 not going to be a fan." But at yeah. this rate, the way the league's bleeding money, you got to do whatever you can do to make money. And if it keeps hockey going, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I, I would, I'm, I, I love to dip back into the into the sponsored things. I, I, I want to get these predictions with these divisions, so I don't want to get off track here. So let's move a little bit, a, a little bit over here to the central division. Okay, so the picks that I got for the central, um, so my top four is I have the Tampa Bay Lightning, I have the Florida Panthers, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I have the Nashville Predators. So you have Florida in at number two, huh? I have Florida in at number two. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I really like some of the late signings that they made. And and I think that just, like, a, a situation like this year with no fans, okay, as funny yeah, as they're it, used to that. <laughs> as funny as it seems, I'm telling you, man, the teams that didn't have their arenas rocking are going to be affected the least by this because it's just business as usual. And I'm telling you, people used to make fun of Florida all the time and say, "Oh, no fans. That's okay. We I played in Florida before, right? It's interesting. We'll see. Who do you I got? Mean, that's- that's solid. I mean, obviously, the consensus is Tampa Bay is going to pretty much run away with the division. I mean, even missing Kucherov, they're still by far the best team in the division, regardless yeah. of who – if Kucherov is in or not. They could probably even lose Stamkos and still be top three. They're that goddamn yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, I got Tampa number one. I have – oh, shit. I got Carolina number two. I have the Dallas Stars three and Columbus four. Nice. I like that. I like that. Let's jump right into the East. My predictions for the East division, the Washington Capitals, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Boston Bruins, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be my top four making the playoffs. Even after watching them first two games of of, uh, Philly spanking Pittsburgh, you think uh, Pittsburgh's going to sneak it out somehow? Uh, I think with just with the players that Pittsburgh have, they're going to find a way to win. 
They're going to find a way to win. They have the experience. They have guys that have been there before. They're they're gonna they're gonna get the rust off. I got, and again, for all who are listening who don't know, I am a diehard Flyers fan. So my first pick in the East might surprise everybody, but I think the Islanders are going to take the first spot in the East, followed by Philly. Okay. Then Boston, and then the Caps. Okay. I just think the Islanders, this this setup of eight games against division opponents really suits the Islanders' play style of shutting teams down and playing teams eight times. They're going to figure everybody out by the end of the season. They're going to figure out pretty much everything that's going on, everybody's systems. And by the end of the season, I, I I just can see them stringing a 10-game winning streak together come the end, which is going to be difficult. But if anybody can do it, it'll, it's definitely the Islanders. Okay. Okay, that's interesting, man. We're definitely going to have to come back to this at the end of the season and see how accurate we really were with these picks. Now, the North. The North Division, all Canadian teams this year, guys. Um, my, my top four picks for the, for the regular season in the North Division is the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets, the Calgary Flames. I mean, now, not bad picks. Going with Toronto at number one. I mean, you're a hometown Toronto boy. I didn't expect anything less. <laughs> I did point out regular season though. Yeah. And if people that have paid attention to the Leafs the last few years, they have had solid regular seasons, and it's fallen apart in the playoffs. Uh, my picks for the Canadian division, I'm calling it. Screw okay. the North. I'm yeah. just calling yeah. it the Canadian division. Which it is. <laughs> Number one, I got going to Toronto. I think the moves that they made in the offseason to shore up that defense, especially, um, which was a – gigantic hole for them, along with bringing in a guy like Wayne Simmons, who's, I mean, Philly faithful, no, we love that guy. So we know exactly what he's bringing to Toronto. He brings it every single game as hard as humanly possible. You will never complain about his work ethic. Good Scarborough boy. Yeah. Number two, my surprise pick. I got Montreal. In at number two. I just think that they're there. They're ready to put it together. They got the speed, especially. And I just think that they're going to put it together. Number three, I got Calgary. And for my number fourth pick, I have Edmonton. Okay. Okay. So now let me ask you a question. In that division, who? what team is the best player? Best player. Toronto, they have two of the best players in that division. Well, actually, the best player overall will go to Edmonton. It would, it would be Connor McDavid. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no player in the league. Who has the second best player? You could even argue Drysaddle is the second best player, but I would have to go with, I would have to go with Matthews for me personally. Okay. Okay. I would have to go with Matthews over Drysaddle. Okay, fair enough, but it'd be extremely close. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially if you're just looking at it from a statistical standpoint. Yes, yes. So now, what I'm, what I'm leading up to here, Kyle, is, is I, want, I want to pick a, a Stanley Cup winner as well. Okay? So, I want you to go first. 
Um, I'm going to stick to my guns, and I'm going to go Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas puts it all together this year. I think the addition of Petriangelo um, shores up a hole. If they can get Robin Leonard to play like he did in last year's playoffs, I think that they put it together, and I think Las Vegas actually takes it. Okay, okay. So, I mean, obviously with, with, with the words that I was pumping up to with those players, this is the year that I truly believe that the Edmonton Oilers are finally going to win a Stanley Cup, okay? The Edmonton Oilers have the two best players in the league with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale, okay? The Edmonton Oilers are also coming off an extremely good season where, yes, at the end was disappointing, but Edmonton has made gains. And because of that firepower that they have up front, I just believe that that's going to overcome any adversity that they have this year. And they're my prediction for the Stanley Cup champion 2021. So not to punch holes in your theory here, but I just don't see the goaltending holding up for them. I don't see the defense holding up for them. Yeah, you can put in as many pucks as you want, but uh, when the other score team's scoring at the same clip, it's it's not good, especially when you got to face a team like Colorado or Las Vegas. You know what I mean? I just, I mean, it's it's not a bad pick. I could see it happening, but they got to definitely sort some shit out for it to happen. I hear you plus, on that. Plus, if I'm playing Edmonton, I'm just targeting two players. That's it. I'm just targeting two players. I'm going in my locker room, and I'm going every single time either of these players touches the puck, I want you to try to take their head off. It's that simple. I mean, not. I don't want anybody to get injured, so don't waste <laughs> my words. But I do – you know what I mean? I don't want either of them touching the puck without a body check being landed on either of them. Yes. And yep. I don't – Given Connor McDavid's injury history, that broken clavicle thanks to Brandon Manning, and uh, I don't even think Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl's had a couple injuries over the years. I don't think they're going to be able to handle teams coming at them full bore in the playoffs. Like, like you have the confidence they might. <laughs> well, you know what? Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how, how close we were to our predictions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like – like I said, this year with these divisions, the way that it's set up, I mean, there's so much excitement around the league. I'm actually very happy. And like one other thing that I that I kind of wanted to add to the to the whole start of the NHL was just kind of the state, kind of the state of the league coming in at at, at these times of a pandemic. Um, you know, Gary Bettman, you know, he's been quoted to say. Um, as I quote, um, it would be cheaper for us to shut the doors and not play. Um, he continues to say that he was going to run, that, that the teams are going to run through more money playing than not playing, but our owners are okay with that because they know how important it is for players and fans to play. And you know what? This year, that is really what it's about. It's about the, it's about the players, but it's even more about the fans and, and the fact that these divisional, the, the divisional setup is so interesting. It's just coming at such an important time to grow the sport. And that's what really excites me. What's your take on that, my friend? I mean, I can understand because hockey's not there. Yeah, they're considered the, the big four, the major four sports in, in the United States and, uh, 
even in Canada, well, in Canada, they're number one. There's, there's no way around it. But in, in the States, we have baseball and basketball and football, which yeah. take the large majority of the money share away from hockey. Um, I do think with these divisions, as I was alluding to earlier, you're going to be making lifelong fans of the sport of hockey this year just because of the chance of the physical aspect of hockey returning, which is something it's lacked over the years with the exception of playoff hockey. But now with the divisions aligned the way they are and with the schedules the way they are, you're basically making the entire season playoff hockey, which is, I mean, how do you not want to watch it? Like, how do you not want to watch that? It's going to be so exciting. And like, you know, like, like it, it, it really does kind of, kind of bring me back to like when I was a player in the AHL, for example, you know, the AHL was kind of formed a little bit similar to this year's NHL because the teams in the divisions would play each other so many times. Okay. And when I played for the Rochester Americans, our main rival was the Syracuse Crunch. Okay. They were only an hour and 20 minute bus ride away. The league had us play each other 12 times during the regular season in an 80 game schedule. Okay. That is so a now, lot of times. <laughs> yes. So now my, my third year pro, we played the Syracuse Crunch in the first round of the playoffs, which was a seven game series. So that season, we played those guys on the other end of the, of the, of, of the ice. 19 times in one year. And I'm telling you, it, it made so many rivalries between players, between lines. Like it, it, it caused so much hype that I can't even explain it. And the fact that the NHL is going to get a taste of that with the teams playing each other over and over again, man, I, I, guys, buckle up when you watch these games because once the season gets going, you're going to see how intense it starts getting a quarter into the season, 50% into the season. These guys are going to start hating each other. The toughness and roughness is going up. Also worth noting that in each division, when we get to the playoffs, you will be playing two divisional rounds. Yes. (laughs) So the teams you just played eight times during the regular season, you will have to play – one or two of them, well, you'll definitely have to play two of them for at least four games, additional four games. And by that point, whew, if there's not some animosity and hatred, I don't think anything's going to get them going. <laughs> now, here's, here's, here's also my little prediction on, on how this setup, like how, how it's going to cause the type of play um, with the rough stuff. Um, I think that this is also going to be a season where teams are going to realize that because the rivalries have become more intense, because the, the games are, are going to be getting rougher, you know, it might make sense for a team to kind of have a guy that might be able to stick up for his teammates in the lineup, right? Bring in the and, enforcer back. I would love it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So it's going to be really interesting because, you know, my prediction is that this is going to be a really rough year. We're going to see a big spike in fighting majors. OK, um, by the end of the season. And like you said, those two 
the divisional matchups round one and round two in the playoffs. I think by the end of that time that it's going to be pretty normal to see a five minute major in a game because there's going to be so much stuff going on, so much history um, from throughout the season with all the, the games and shifts against the, the same players over and over again. And then how the teams are going to build for the following season is going to be based on this year. So that's where my excitement comes from, because I think from this point on, the way that the league set up, it's really going to create, uh, you know, a situation for the tough guy to maybe make a comeback in this sport. And it, I mean, again, it all depends. So I understand your point, but I'm hesitant to think that just because this year with the alignment of the divisions, next year that alignment will most likely go away. So your rivalries when Boston goes to another division for Philly, for example, you know, and then you have other teams like Toronto and Edmonton, they're not in the same division on a regular hockey on a, like on a regular season, a regular NHL season. So, like, as much animosity as gets built this year and as much as this year has a chance for to see a player that his role is to police the ice again, I think that is kind of just going to be this year, unless they decide to adopt these divisions permanently, which, I mean, is also an option. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping the old saying of if it's not broken, don't fix it. And if they see something that's starting to, to grow interest in the game, I mean, come, I mean, come on guys. Like we're looking at our sport here being last in the major four, like how you mentioned earlier. And, and the reality is, is that especially in the United States, people just don't like watching it on TV. They're not interested in it. So how are we going to get people interested in the sport again? How are we going to do that, right? We're going to have to change something up. And if something's working where it's going to make the game a little bit more interesting and teams can build and, and get a tough guy in the lineup because of the way the game's changing a little bit, I'm all for it. I'm really hoping for it too. Again, not to play devil's advocate here, I just don't see Gary Bettman and the league <laughs> commission yes. allowing the sport to go back to even the mid-late, early 2000s. I mean, even the 2000s. There was, I mean, there was guys like Riley Cote, Derek Bugard, I mean, Brian McGratton. All these guys were still in the league come 2008. And I just don't foresee the league allowing that to take place again, even if it means more money. And you know what I mean? Because guys like Dan Carcillo have made such a thing over these concussions and and Nobody's arguing that concussions are bad, and nobody's arguing that the league and teams may have mishandled concussions because that is a problem. It, it, it was a problem. It still is a problem, even to this day, how they handle injuries and concussions, and especially head injuries in general. I yeah. just don't see them allowing that aspect of the sport to make a return easily. And you know what? You're absolutely right. And like I said, this is going to be like, like the only thing that I see that trumps what you're saying is money. And a guy like Gary Bettman is about the money. A man that, that picks, you know, Seattle over Quebec City for an NHL franchise is about the money, right? So I think that there, there's a slight chance. I'm, ho- I'm a, ho- I'm a hoper. I'm a dreamer, you know? And, <laughs> 
we'll definitely see how it goes. I, I mean, I mean, like I said, the excitement of this year, I, I, I think that overtakes all this talk. I, and, and like, I, I'm, I'm really glad for the sport of hockey right now. And I think just the fact that it started up, you know, me, uh, both of us playing since we're young, I, I think it kind of sparks like a little excitement in our bodies. I'm sure our listeners can understand and, and emphasize yeah, and both, that. And we're both big fans of that aspect of the sport. I mean, okay. you did it for what 20 years you you played that aspect of the sport that was your job so me and me being a fan I got to go to every Phantoms game as a kid and that aspect was all around the AHL especially at that time you were playing you know and it was the most exciting part of hockey yeah, it's great. Like, I love the goals. I love the moves. I love the skill. I love all of that. But there's nothing that will ever get a stadium going more than two guys willing to duke it out on the, at center ice. Yes, exactly. And, and, and like, and like Don Cherry always said, there'll never be a fan that's, that's sitting when, when, when there's a fight going on. You know, everybody gets up. If, if someone's in the concessions, you know, they're running to see it too, right? So, so, you know, it's, it, 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 it's well known that, that it's like, it's just about how it's going to be managed. You know, we'll be able to have shows where, where we, where we get more into this and stuff. But, but I, I believe that there should be insurance. There, there should be a whole bunch of stuff that comes with if fighting does kind of reintegrate back into the sport. I think there's a lot more ways that they can protect the players and stuff like that. And being a former player, you know, there's a lot of ideas that I have for that as well. So like, that's going to be, that's going to be a great talking point. But like I said, this season, you know, if we do see more players dropping the gloves, you know, more power to it, more power to it. Now we already got an uptick. I'm pretty sure we've already had five or six fights to this point already in the season. And that's only going to, that number is only going to climb as animosity grows. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching them on YouTube and watching them live. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now Kyle, now there's, there's today, today is a, is a, is a special day. Um, It's a special calendar day as well as it's a very, important calendar day um for the game of hockey um today being martin luther king jr day um which is a holiday in the united states here in canada we recognize it as well um and and you know and you know to that point of it being also an important special calendar day in hockey is on this day January 18th, 1958, which was 63 years ago, you know, Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in hockey, um, by playing the first game, um, that a black man played in the NHL, uh, for the Boston Bruins wearing number 22. And, um, that's a, that's a, a milestone that, you know, can't really be topped like what like for that type of category um and i wanted to kind of talk about that um as a segment of our first raw and order um of our show with the topic of willie o'ree um how important it is to the game of hockey uh what he did for for the game of hockey 
And, you know, I would like to talk about, you know, some of my experiences of, you know, having a different color skin than the majority of players that play the game, um, per se. First of all, like, Willie O'Ree, um, I mean, the guy, the guy played, played 46 games in the NHL. Um, he did something extremely important and that took probably more guts and, and bravery, like, than, than anyone could po- possibly do where he was the one that actually was the first person to do something in history. And, um, you know, you got to tip your hat to him. Um, he's a great man. And he's actually been honored uh, this year by the NHL. You know, Gary Bettman announced just last week um, that the NHL has created a custom helmet uh, decal uh, that pays tribute to Willie O'Ree. Um, who's also recently been been inducted into the Hall of Fame, I, I must add. Um, the decal is is also dedicated to Martin Luther King, and it's through the theme of celebrating equality. It's also worth noting that the Boston Bruins have retired the 22 of, of Willie O'Ree, and that is a big, big organizational, like, step forward being able to retire Willie O'Ree's number. It'll always be hanging in the rafters for the history of the Boston Bruins. Nobody can wear it again. And, I mean, I, I think this is obviously to do what he did in the times that he did it. Like, you're a pioneer. And you can't do – you can't tip your hat off enough for somebody who had to go through – I can't even imagine the amount of scrutiny that man went through on the ice, off the ice, in everybody's stadiums, and he still showed up. He did his job with dignity, with class. I mean, Willie O'Ree, we hats off to you, buddy. I mean, that's just amazing all around. What a step forward for hockey. Very, very well said. Um, and, and you know, just just to add to that with uh... – uh, with Willie, like, you know, people listening, you know, obviously a lot of the listeners are, are pretty big hockey fans and stuff. And, you know, if we ever have listeners that don't really realize how rough the game of hockey is and how rough the game used to be, especially in the era, um, that Willie O'Ree, um, played in, um, you know, in 1958, you know, the NHL was known for line brawls and like, you know, when when a when a fight would happen in an NHL game at that time, it wasn't just that fight. Like everyone on the ice kind of had to grab their their guy, and it, they would so there'd be the five fights, but then the main fight, right? So, I mean, Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier, um, you know, for hockey, and there was a lot of well, there was a player in each sport, you know, that did that for their prospective sports and like or respective sports. And, you know, the difference that that I that I know being a hockey player that that Willie O'Ree kind of had to go through the difference. Like like the, the, the uniqueness of it being hockey was just the fact that hockey is a sport that allows fighting and, you know. 
Like when, you know, Jackie Robinson has had a lot of movies and documentaries lately. And, you know, I, I've had a chance to, to watch them and really learn a lot about, you know, all the things that he had to go through and, and this and that. And, you know, like, and it, I grew so much respect for the man knowing everything he had to go through. But like what people don't realize is that Willie O'Ree, this guy had to literally fight every game, usually the toughest guy on the other team. At least once, maybe a couple times, he he was he would be you know physically like assaulted on a gamely basis because at that time they didn't really want him there and you know people are afraid of change and when they're not used to change you know they 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 confront it right so that's that's something that I just want to point out that you know if Willie didn't have the resiliency that he did you know he probably would have played you know, you know, one or two games and said, you know what, like, okay, I did this, but I don't want to get killed. So I'm out of here. Right. So, but you know, he went on to play, you know, 45 plus games and, 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 you know, like that's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, I, I, I'm loving the way that the NHL is finally kind of like, like, like really recognizing the guy and really giving the guy the respect that he deserves. And like you said, the Boston Bruins, you know, retiring the man's number is really the ultimate respect that a player can get is when their number's retired and their and their name is up there in the rafters in the same spot where the championship rafters are. And I'm sure any player that's hearing this can agree with that. And so, you know, hats off to the Boston Bruins organization. Hats off to Willie O'Ree. Um, you know, this is a great day in, in hockey history. Um, and and you know, I um, you know, as 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 a black hockey player, you know, he he paved the way, um, you know, for me and many others. And, you know, I didn't go through the things that Willie would have had to go through. But, like, I think that at this time of when, you know, with all the social injustice things that are happening and how all the athletes are kind of speaking up and, and, and the leagues in different sports took actions and, and stuff like that. You know, th there's a, there's a lot of kind of sensitivity around the topic. And, you know, I kind of just wanted to point out um, a couple things, you know, that, that I had to go through um, as a black hockey player growing up. Um, the one thing I want to point out is the fact that, it didn't happen a lot that, you know, that I felt uncomfortable to the point where I knew that I was being centered out because I was different by the color of my skin. It didn't happen a lot, but it, but it happened. And, you know, um, hockey as a sport is, is a predominantly white sport. Um, you know, there's, there's different reasons for stuff like that. Um, and, so for, for a black hockey player alone, just with the numbers, um, would be an experience. Um, but a guy like myself that kind of had to play the tougher role on the teams, you know, sometimes, you know, you're getting yelled at by fans because you're doing a good job for your team and making a big hit and, you know, they're yelling at you. And sometimes it might happen for other reasons that might be ignorance and stuff like that. And, you know, the handful of times that I experienced um, anything racial in the game um, was around the time 
when I was entering the high school age, so around 13, 14, that's when the kids kind of, you know, they have a little bit of I, I identity issues and stuff, just culturally, socially, stuff like that. And, you know, I experienced some name calling on the ice, um, even some stuff in the dressing room through, with my own team at that age, um, I experienced, um, you know, and then I didn't really experience anything else really until my first couple years pro. Um, th- there was an incident when I was in the AHL. Um, there was a racial slur that was said during a game. Um, you know, how, how did it affect me? Um, people are thinking, you know, I, I, w- I was hurt by it, but I mean, we go through life where a lot of things happen that aren't right and we just kind of have to learn to get over that. Um, so it's not right, but you know, you kind of have to have a little bit of thick skin, um, when you are going through the ranks, because if you are a little bit different, you know, people are going to use any type of advantage to get over you because of the competitiveness. And, you know, when you're, when you look different physically because of the color of your skin, you know, that's an easy target. Um, so, you know, I overall, um, like I said, I have not experienced a lot of racism in the game. And I believe that, that it's because that the game is so accepting. I believe the game is for everybody. Okay. And, um, and, and I, and I'm, and I'm proud that I've been part of this game, uh, for the majority of my life. And, you know, I'll be part of this game for the rest of my life. And, you know, on a day like today, um, you know, I just want to, I want to thank, you know, Willie O'Ree for, for, for breaking that barrier and allowing myself and other players of, of color, um, to, to, to be a part of, of, of the show. And, and, uh, and, and, and it's incredible. And, um, and this is a day to celebrate. Yo, for sure. I mean, absolutely. It, hockey has always been to me a sport that it, it doesn't matter your background or where you came from or who you are or what color skin you are. It's a love of the game itself. And, and me personally, as, as a white guy that plays the sport, I, I can't say that I have ever been, uh, racially targeted in any way whatsoever, but I, I did experience a little bit of that and hats off to a coach I had when I was growing up. I think I was uh, 14 and I'll leave his name out, but, um, we were playing a team and, and that team did have an African American individual playing for them and one of our star players. Um, was getting frustrated with the kid and used the racial slur on the ice, yes. which is, which is absolutely uncalled for in any sport or scenario. You, you just, you don't do it. My co, he came to the bench. My coach sat him down and he said, you can hate him because he's wearing a different jersey. You can hate him because of what he said to you. You can hate him because of how good he is, but because you showed hatred towards his skin color, you're done playing for today because that's ignorant and weak. And my star, the star player on our hockey team was benched for an entire game and we lost that game pretty handedly. But hats off to my coach. Really a, a smack in the face to everybody on the team. Like, yo, this is not going to fly in my locker room. 
Yeah, I mean that's um, that's that that's great to hear. I'm 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 really glad that that coach took that stand because I mean as as kids especially you know we we look up to 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 our coaches, our parents, and like so when the coaches really lay it down like that. Though that's that's one of the few people in, in a kid's life that that the kids actually listen to, you know. So yeah, absolutely, it, it makes a big impact. It's really important for coaches to really, really set that tone, you know, at an early age, in my opinion. I mean, and I'm I'm lucky enough that I wasn't raised in such a toxic household as some individuals may be raised in, and I I understand that some individuals have just been raised um, wrong, in my opinion, and in toxic households. I was always raised in an accepting household for all things, and I just per- – I personally do not understand it because my love for hockey trumps everything else that could possibly take place, like – whether it's ethnicity, whether it's your sex or your orientation, I don't, I don't care about any of that. If you love the sport and I love the sport and we love the sport, that's all I care about. That's it. Amen to that, brother. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, that's, and that's really what it's all about. And, you know, sports really brings people together. And, you know, a, a sports is one way to bring people from, from different sides of the track, from different, different skin colors from different, you know, different, different walks of life. Like that's, that's what sports is all about in my opinion. And that's what it did for me in my life. And, you know, I know that kids growing up today, they're going to have opportunities to be around kids that don't look like them because of sports. And, you know, the way that, the way that, that especially the NHL is going now with recognizing the equality, it's only going in the right direction. And, and, and that just makes me happy as someone, like I said, being involved in this game for so long, as as you have been. And, you know, we just hope, we just have to hope that it just continues to go forward. And, you know, this show, the sheriff, like, these are the type of things that 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 I that I love to get into. And and you know, I'm 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 just excited. I'm excited for the show. I'm excited for the for this any incredible NHL season, man. Like like it's gonna be so interesting a couple months from now just to look back and just, I, I hope that we were right, man. I really hope that we were right. Cause if we are, <laughs> it's be so happy two months from now. It's going to be incredible. I mean, I don't see how we can't be as students of the sport, as guys who both played the sport. I mean, obviously I never played at a pro level, full disclosure, <laughs> but <laughs> as somebody who's loved the sport, I mean, if there's ever an opportunity for it to grow in terms of physicality and pure raw motion this is the year it is it is my friend this is the year this is the year so yeah like i said you know the divisions when i first when i first heard about the divisions i i was very happy when i then found out that they were only going to stay within divisions i was even more happy and you know like you said me being a guy that had to play the role of the rough stuff you know, th- th- this is giving the opportunity for a little bit of rough stuff to kind of come back because of the rivalry situation. And I'm, and I'm loving it, man. And I, I know that you are too. And, you know, th- this, these are going to be some exciting times. And, you know, our, um, our, our, the, 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 the interest level of this game is only going to rise in, in both our countries, Canada and the States. Well, I don't think it can get it much higher of interest in Canada, but. <laughs> 
Be surprised, man. You'd be surprised. People are losing a little bit of interest, and I think that this year is going to spark it up. Or it's going to be sparked back up. It is going to be nice watching Calgary and Edmonton play eight times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So being being the first the first episode of the sheriff, you know, I just want to thank all our listeners that are tuning in. Um, we got some incredible things coming up, guys. Um, I'm very, very, very happy with today. Um, Kyle, I want to thank you, man, for an incredible show. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one, of course. And, um, I also just wanted to thank, you know, HW Radio Philadelphia, um, you know, for giving me an opportunity, giving us an opportunity for a platform. HW Radio is, here to stay. We're going to be pumping out all kinds of content. Um, you can find us at hwradio.net. That's our site. You can find us at hwradio18 on Twitter. You can find us at hwradio on Facebook. Um, you can find the sheriff at the sheriff2021 on Twitter. We hope to have a Facebook run a page running soon. You can find me at warnerkyle29. Sean, where can everybody find you at, bud? I'm, I'm Sheriff Sean McMorrow, guys, on most platforms, Instagram, Twitter. Of course, there's the Sheriff 2021. That's our, the Sheriff show, um, on Twitter. And, and yeah, guys, you know, we're just going to be busting out the best content possible. And, and I'm, I'm really excited. I can't wait for our next one. Awesome. I, thanks everybody for joining us for episode number one. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode from the sheriff. See you guys. See you next time. Bye.